Hey everybody, Alicia here with the Self-Awareness Podcast where we share mental health journeys from all different types of backgrounds. Thank you so much for being here. Today we're interviewing Vanessa Cutting. Vanessa is a multi-talented person. She describes herself as the jack of all trades, which I agree. She's a proud mother, an influential fitness instructor, but most importantly, she is a SCADS heart attack advocate. Today, we're going to talk about how she used the power of movement to overcome challenges throughout her life. I can't wait to share her inspirational story, so let's go ahead and get right into the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Self-Awareness Podcast. Today we have our guest Vanessa and we're so excited to hear her story and hear about her journey. So let's go ahead and get into the story. Vanessa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am a social media influencer and UGC content creator. Um, I was in the fitness industry for 17 years, and then uh, I had a life-altering event that just kind of made me go like, oh, (laughs) what am I doing with my life? And it made me just really kind of have to really focus on um, pulling back and finding out like what was most important in my life. Um, I think... Since I was a young girl, I grew up a military brat, right? So I traveled a lot and um, moved from town to town. I never felt truly like there was that place of home or that place of like, ah, right? Because there was just so much travel, so much going on in, in my life always. And it kind of just, that filtered into my adult life. And I just kind of kept going with that. And I just had tons and tons of uh, ups and downs and stresses and things like that, that I just realized uh, after uh, my life-altering event, which was a SCAD heart attack at the age of 38, um, I realized I needed to kind of pull back and kind of find my own sense of home. Like, what was home to me? What what made me feel good? And that kind of brought me into this whole, like, well, I love doing social media. I love being on there. But what I love the most is telling people like how I've kind of overcome my journey. And one of them is movement. Movement is medicine to me. And that's kind of like what led me into the fitness world. You know, I'm kind of jumping all over, but that's kind of what led me into the fitness world was finding that sense of home and what made me feel good. But then I realized I was doing it for everyone else and I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it for myself. And so it kind of made me in 2020 have to go, okay, instead of doing it for others and teaching classes and constantly being on the go, how can I pull back and just do it for me? And now that's where I share my journey a lot on social media. I do a lot of, you know, other things too as well, but it's mostly about how I've recovered and what I've done and what are the steps I've done, especially because the type of heart attack I had, um, they tell us that we're not really ever supposed to lift weights again, work out again. And I'm like, I, that's just not, that's not, (laughs) that's not going to be me. I know myself and I know my journey and movement is healing and movement is medicine to me. And there's one thing I tell my kids all the time, which is if you move a muscle, you move a thought. So sometimes when we're in our negative self story, if I can pull back and go just for a simple walk, if I can go back and, you know, go do some yoga or Pilates or weightlifting, I usually will always feel better. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of where I've led my my journey has gone and it's brought me here now. And now I'm three years later and uh, I share my journey on social media of all my fitness tips and tricks that I do. And, you know, I share outfits and make them stuff like that because that's my hobby. But um, I feel like my true journey now in life is to show women that we can have a life altering event and then we can grow through it. But movement will truly heal us if we keep moving forward. Oh, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing. 
And I can definitely connect with the movement being part of a healing journey and internalizing it to find a way so it works for ourselves and instead of like you were saying maybe doing it uh, because of social standards or anything along those lines so thank you so much for sharing that and I'm so excited to go into detail about your journey and uh, everything that you've experienced throughout of every event and one of the first questions that I want to get into is about your childhood I know you said that you were uh, you had a military family, so you were moving a lot. Uh, I can relate being in the military, but not as a child. So can you go a little bit more into detail of like what that was like moving um, at a young age and kind of like how you felt emotionally, if you can remember any of those thoughts? Yeah. So a lot of it, um, there was many a times where we would move, right, as a kid, and it would be like, oh, it's fun and exciting. But then you'd get there and you'd be like, wait, I'm the new kid again. I don't know anybody again. I've got to make friends. You know, the nice part was some of my childhood, I was on base. So I could make friends easier that way because those kids were always transitioning as well. But then my parents decided, you know, at a, when, by the time I was, I think it was eight years old, that they were no longer going to do base housing. We were always going to live off base. So yeah. that became even harder because it was like, okay, you get into a house, you get into a routine, and then it'd be like, oh, nope, we're moving again. Um, and so for me, I struggled to, um, I felt like I'd never found my people and I never found, um, that like sense of home, that sense of comfort, uh, granted, I didn't grow up in the greatest of, um, loving households. So I think that didn't, that didn't help matters either. Um, so I actually suffered with depression, um, and anxiety from probably the time I was seven, eight years old and up through high school. Um, so much so that, you know, when my parents, again, my senior year of high school, they're like, we're moving. I was like, okay, let's go. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be the new kid again. I'm going to figure this out. But I also knew that I, um, I struggled a lot with trying to fit in, make friends, um, and kind of find my, my way because it was always constantly changing, right? As soon as I would find something or find a, you know, a sports team or something like that, it would change again. Um, so I think that was challenging as far as growing up in the military household. Uh, it's cool. And then, and I've got to do a lot of really fun things. You know, I got to, uh, travel the world by the time I was six years old, I'd already seen like eight countries. Um, yeah. You know, I got to do Mac air flights where you fly with the cargo and all the red pull down nets. Um, so I did some of those really cool things. But, you know, as far as stability wise, I think that was it. It probably would have been better if the household would have been better. Right. And I think there's some military families that can totally do this. And as long as their core unit is good, the kids will thrive. But I think because our core unit wasn't the best, it we didn't thrive. Me and my sisters, we all all three of us struggled mentally um, throughout our teenage years and into our twenties, thirties and forties. So. Yeah. As that is something that I can uh, definitely relate to as far as, um, you know, having that depression during that time of being a teenager. And it kind of sounds like with all the moving, you had maybe a lot, lack of control as far as what was going to go on. And, and you just kind of, you know, grew immune to, you know, this is happening again because it happens so often. So thank you so much for being able to break that down and give us a perspective of what it was like physically and emotionally 
And just to ask um, about that core unit that you were talking about, you know, being able to travel a lot, but not maybe um, being able to express like where everybody was on the page every move. So my question is, did you, you and your sisters or maybe your parents ever talk about mental health or when did you kind of start identifying feelings and emotions and how it related to your body or emotions? Um, probably around the age of seven, um, my uncle committed suicide. And I think that is kind of where we started to have discussions. Um, they weren't the greatest of discussions because I didn't realize how much mental illness was in my family, um, until my parents got divorced years and years later. So I think it was a mixture of, um, seeing it firsthand, seeing it within the family, asking the questions, trying to figure it out, but kind of not really being discussed. Um, it wasn't until I was in, um, cause I remember, I'll go back. I remember around seven years old, my mom really struggling with her brother's death and it just kind of changed her. And I remember it changing my grandmother and they would complete, they were completely different people than what I remembered prior to that. And then by the time I got to high school and I was struggling with my depression so bad, I went to see a therapist and I remember having these discussions and talking to her and she was the first one who was like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to um, know that this is in your family, know that this is something you might struggle with, know that this is something that needs to be discussed, even though my mom didn't want to just discuss it with me. She wanted to keep it more of like a sweep it on the rug. Let's just keep going. Um, and she'll just, you know, pile along and just keep going, like plow along. And I just remember at 16 was when I kind of had my first like, oh, this is what mental illness is. This is this is something that um, I need to work on. This is something I need to have discussions about um, and something I needed to kind of figure out in my own life. But so seven's when I saw it, 16's when I started to get help for it. Wow. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry for your loss and, you know, how it affected your family and, and being able to physically and visually see the change amongst your immediate family that um, the passing took. So again, I just want to say my condolences and thank you so thank much you. for being able to go into detail as far as, um, you know, what you saw and felt at that young age. And yeah. it kind of relates back to what you were saying in the beginning of when you started the moving or just identifying you know, seven or eight is when you understood that you were having these types of emotions, but, you know, it wasn't until something happened amongst your family where you felt like, or maybe were presented a way to discuss mental illness. So it kind of was identified in a way, but wasn't identified to you until you were 16 years old and able to get therapy and understand and have that validation that your feelings are valid and your emotions are valid through everything you've been through and experienced and felt. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I also want to ask, what was the process of going to therapy? Do you have an example? Was there a point where you wanted to get help as far as therapy or what did that look like for you? Um, so to be completely honest, it kind of just happened out of nowhere. My mom was actually going back to college um, to get her degree to become a teacher. And so she went to a class and the guy was discussing class and what he had gone through with his journey. And he just started describing 
what ADD was. And so she was like, I think this is what Ness has. So long story short, she came home, she started talking to me. She's like, do you have this? Does this happen when the teacher talks? Does this happen? And I was like, yeah, all these things. Like, (laughs) because I was a pretty bright kid, but I struggled school-wise. And so we couldn't figure it out, right? And you have to remember, I'm in my 40s now. So this was quite a while ago. Um, And so she took me to see a therapist and was like, let's do testing to see if you have ADD. And then that's when we started doing, um, I actually did EMDR way back then. Um, cause yeah, I think this is about almost 20 years ago. Uh, and that's when we came out with, um, a lot of the depression, a lot of things that had happened in my childhood that I've been kind of bearing, um, and then realizing that I did have ADD on top of it. So it was like a mix of this whole kind of like just happened by coincidence that I went for this, um, to have ADD testing and then found out more about my family and more about mental health and taking care of my mental health. Um, I did therapy from then on, probably until I was 18 or 19. Um, And then, of course, you know, you ever, it's like you go to a doctor, you go to one doctor, you love them, then something happens. Again, we had to move. So when we moved, I went to a new doctor, didn't love them, didn't, they wanted, it's a horrific story, but went into the office, told her my life story, told her what happened. She went out into the lobby and started telling all the girls that work there what happened. And so I was like, okay, I'm never going back to therapy again. Like, this is awful. Um, But I knew therapy was good. It was healing. And I knew it was, she was just not the right one for me. It took me years to finally go back. But then when I was in my 20s, I started going back. And I've gone back and forth off and on now since since I was 16. I think it is healing in a lot of ways. I think you can um, have moments of understanding, moments of having that self-reflection. Um, and that someone can kind of draw that out of you. And it's also a safe space. A lot of times too, I find for people, I mean, I've even taken my kids, I've taken my husband, we've done, you know, marriage counseling, everything. Cause I just find that it is good sometimes just to have a sounding board, even if they're just listening, like it's just someone there so you can blurt it out. But it, I do find that it has been healing over the years for me. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that example. And I'm so sorry that specific individual broke that trust in along the lines of, um, you know, exposing everything that you've been through, through others, you know, breaking that trust and, um, and breaking the trust made you lose fa- um, faith in that person, but also congratulations to you for having the acknowledgement that that was based on the person and their actions and not the system in itself. So I think you being able to have that, you know, baseline and understanding for yourself of what it did for you. I think that says a lot about the reflection and work that you did for yourself as far as taking what works for you and, and being able to uh, utilize that in, in what ways that work best for you. So, and I know how you said that the way that you stumbled into therapy was, you know, kind of a coincidence, kind of out of nowhere. But I love that story, by the way. And one thing that we talk about a lot in the podcast is the the type of education. Uh, Education is the first step when it comes to mental health because, you know, there are actually 53 minimum types of emotions. And if you don't even recognize those, then it kind of just starts there and is a validating feeling as far as the more you know. And I'm sure that's when your mom heard about the instructor talking about these symptoms that's that was the click for her, but also 
being able to um, put you through that process and identify so many things. But again, I want to, you know, validate you and, and put the congratulations on you because, you know, there is still a point where you could have not gone through with it or taken it seriously and you did. So I just want to say I'm so proud of you for, you know, being so straightforward and, and uh, what it sounds like you took it very seriously as far as your education and, you know, figuring out what coping mechanisms work for you and being vulnerable such, you know, at such a young age. So congratulations. Thank you for sharing what that experience was like for you at a young age and also being able to feel comfortable and having that knowledge of how beneficial this system works for you and go back at an age in your 20s. So another question that we like to go kind of based off of that is maybe you're learning many coping mechanisms during this time when you started therapy and when you went back again. What kind of coping mechanisms did you learn early on and what uh, mechanisms did you kind of build on in order to progress your mental health journey? So my... I had to have to say, in by nature, I am a problem solver. I am constantly researching and finding ways to solve problems. It's just who I am. Um, I would have to say the one thing my mom would always push me on is to talk to someone. Um, so I felt like that that's something that she taught me. Um, from there, it was a lot of self-soothing, a lot of figuring out on my own. Um, like I said, you know, the inside house was not, it was a lot of turmoil, a lot of issues. Um, and then I also have two, my sisters are much older than I am. They're seven and eight years older than I am. So there was a lot of like, you're the baby, you know, like just go, <laughs> go deal with your emotions and feelings on your own. But in the same breath, knowing that the way I was doing it wasn't healthy. Um, so I think from the time I pretty much was 16, 17, going to therapy, it was figuring out ways to make myself better and how I think one of the biggest things that helped me a lot was the EMDR when I was 16 um, to kind of figure out where was I storing emotions. And then I'd have to say the biggest thing was me getting into fitness. Fitness was um, I just realized how different I was when I was working out versus when I wasn't working out. And then over the years, I, um, I would have to say, I still struggled. I struggled a ton. I was ups and downs. I was different, going to different therapists. You know, they were diagnosed me with all these different things, but I just kept feeling like none of them were me at the time. And I just knew like, I kept having to find things that made me feel good. But the one thing that always made me feel good was working out or going for a walk or just moving my body. Um, and I struggled with addiction and things like that over the years. And the biggest thing I took away from NA was move a muscle, move a thought. And so after that, I decided, okay, I've just got to move my body. I just know moving my body will be the best thing for me. So from there, I got married. I had my daughter and I started working at a gym because my mother-in-law did. And she used to be able to take my niece with her. And she always said to me, Vanessa, it's, it's like the perfect job. You can take your daughter with you. You'll get a free membership and you can still like have your kid there and whatever and get paid. And I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. Okay, I'm going to go do this. So I started working at a gym. My husband and I had just moved to Baltimore. And I was working at a gym there and my gym director came up to me and said, you should take a spin class. 
And I knew I was struggling at that point. Again, I was back on antidepressants and I was like feeling really depressed, right? I had just had a baby. It's, it's winter in, and I'm a Floridian. So winter up North is really hard on me. So we're in Baltimore, it's winter time. And I'm just like, I am struggling. And she's like, take a, take a spin class. Well, I took that spin class. I loved it so much. I took a spin class every single day for three months straight until I got certified to teach spin. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this is my, this is my thing. This is what makes me feel good. Cause every time I left a spin class, I was like, I feel amazing. Like, I love how I made, this makes me feel. This is giving me the endorphins. My body's changing. I'm feeling good. I'm showing up as a mom. I'm showing up as a wife. And then as the years progress, I just kept getting, I, I have 18 certifications. So I just kept getting certifications because I was like, I love doing this. I just love movement and I love the way it makes me feel. And even now to the point that if I get upset, like the other day I got upset with my kids and I'm like, that's it. I'm going out, I'm going for a walk. And I went and walked my neighborhood. I came back and I'm I'm instantly like, okay, clear headed, feeling better. So I think the biggest thing that I've taken away since I was 16 to now is that I've always come back to movement. Yes, I do things like meditation. Yes, I have lots of self-reflections, journaling, things like that. But what always makes me feel better instantly is movement. Even if it's just walking, even if it's just stretching. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I just need to sit on the floor and stretch and that would make me feel better. Um, Because I just know... Now, going back, like I have 18 certifications, like I told you, I've gone through a lot of trainings teaching me about trauma, teaching me about how we store it in the body and where we store mm-hmm. it. So sometimes I know, like, if I'm feeling tense, like there's days even now where I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling tense and I just know it, but I, don't, I can't figure out why, I'll go stretch my hips. Because I'm like, I know we store so much emotion in our hips. Mm-hmm. So I start going through that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, this is... I start thinking about things. I'm like, this is why I was upset today. This is what was bothering me. But it's that having that self-reflection, but the only way for me to get the self-reflection is to go move my body. So in all movement, it has been my, my biggest thing that definitely is, is my tips, tricks, soothing, everything that heals me, makes me feel good. Hey everybody, Alicia here. And I wanted to come on here and talk about our latest hoodie drop, which is our Confident and Coping hoodie collection. So we've asked people in our mental health community to submit coping mechanisms that have best worked for them. And we actually put them all together and made it into one design. Not only are these sweaters comfy, they're heavy, they're fitted, they're also made from organic materials, but the best part about this design is that not only the person that's going to be wearing this design is going to benefit from having these coping mechanisms, somebody reading this design behind you could actually be impacted through this design. So I want to come on here and thank everybody for who submitted a design. I'm so thankful. You truly are making a huge impact in the mental health community. And if you're interested in buying a Confident and Coping hoodie, they are available in this off-white color I'm wearing right now, as you see in the video, or Military Green. They're available on our website, and we're dropping this December 1st. I'm so excited for this drop. Thank you, everybody who's participating in making a mental health difference. I appreciate you so much, and we're impacting so many lives. So with that, let's go ahead and get back into the show. Ah, I love how you just put that into such a perspective of where we can visually see how this movement is moving through your body and through your mind. So Mm -hmm. you're giving us examples to uh, even, you know, put ourselves in that shoes and see, okay, like your example, you know, if I feel upset, I know to 
like the way that you your your subconscious thought is I'm going to go for a walk, but you're also doing a coping mechanisms of uh, walking away from situations so you can evaluate, you know, acknowledge your emotion and kind of readjust in order to uh, calm down. And you're in the way you said it and expressed it is that you, in order to do so, you have to, you know, love that. And then, and it just goes as far as into that type of um, flow that you have in order to start controlling those thoughts that can, you know, gentleman people, including myself, I've struggled with it, you know, overthinking and, and saying things that I don't mean. But I think that's so powerful being able to have this idea of, I know it works for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill into that. And obviously, you did, you know, put that full speed when you went certification, certification after the other one. So I love the story that you said about the spin class. I think that well, first of all, you know, the gym and you bring your daughter and it's like, okay, cool. Like throughout your story already, I already see you being presented with certain opportunities and saying yes to it and embracing it. And then we can see as an audience and as listeners that this um, method that you said of saying yes and going full force and being able to embrace what comes your way has been really helpful no matter if you're in a season, whether it's a good season or bad season emotionally, being able to take a chance and kind of embrace what's coming your way is obviously has been beneficial as far as your fitness and mental health journey. So thank you so much for sharing that. And there's so many things that I love as far as, well, that actually come to mind about your journey, especially when it comes to being a coach and being able to uh, love some type of love movement into a way of being able to train and show others. Can we talk a little bit more about the community? Because I feel like, you know, I, we only met online and on Instagram and, and on the call now, but from what I've heard so far, I feel like you are such a strong support system for the people around you, which is really important when it comes to mental health too, because in our journey and our goal for this podcast is to find people that we feel like we can relate to their stories and progress our or start our mental health journey as well. So when it comes to your community, uh, what are what are kind of things that maybe people ask you or you know online or in person when it comes to starting their physical or mental health journey? What kind of things do they ask and what do you respond with? So in person, definitely, because I still sub at a Pilates studio um, Mm -hmm. here and there. And the biggest thing is always, oh, my gosh, we miss your classes because you connect the mind and body, right? Mm -hmm. Because I do a lot of things where before we even are allowed to start our practice, which is one of the things I love that yoga and Pilates, we call it a practice. We don't call it a workout because you are practicing, right? Mm -hmm. So I even call my workouts practice because I'm truly practicing to be better. I'm always trying to be 1% better every day. And so one of the things I do before we even start a class, we have to set an intention. What is it you want to gain from today? What is it you showed up for a reason, right? And let's give ourselves that 15 minutes of being completely present and showing that we came here for the reason and and let's embrace that reason that we're here and you'll watch how much you'll grow through that. 
Then from there, you know, we go through the workout, whatever. And I am constantly talking to you about your body. What we carry our life stressors in our, you know, our everyday stressors in our neck and shoulders. Can we relax those? Can we open up? Right. So people come to me after class and they're always like, how do I do that on my own? And like, I tell everyone, the biggest thing is breathing. I think breathing is one of the, the most underrated calming mechanisms we can do. Yes. Movement is so great, but sometimes just taking a four second breath will seriously calm your mind and calm your attitude and like, you'll just be able to come back to center. Um, And what's one of the things when people are leaving class before they're allowed to leave, I always make them take a couple of deep breaths. And I'm like, now when you leave here and someone cuts you off in the parking lot, come back to this breath that you just took right now, because you can't calm yourself. It's just a matter of you just leave and you get anxious because you think about all the things that are coming at you. But if you really just kind of slow your breathing down, how much can be presented And sometimes universe, God, angels, whatever you want to call it, will give you things into your lap if you just slow down and breathe. And I tell people all the time, like, so literally, like, I have a tendency to just take really long, slow breaths throughout the day. And then I just say a positive affirmation to me. And that's even what I get asked online is, how are you so positive after having a heart attack? I mean, you're the fitness of health. You were at at the time I was a vegetarian. I, you know, was teaching constantly. I was, you know, 38 years old and yet I had a heart attack. Right. And my heart attack was due from stress. And so like I tell them, like, I can come back to this place of realizing that that was teaching me, I was letting stress and everything else kind of overtake my life and not realizing that how precious life was, and that I needed to slow down. And so since then, now I'm constantly I'm breathing slower, I'm making myself more aware. Um, I do a lot of positive uh, thinking. Um, so like I tell everybody, <laughs> I was like, literally I drive around and I'm just like, hi, my name is Vanessa's cutting and only good things happen to me. And I said, and literally I will pull into a parking lot and I get the first space or, you know, someone will offer to buy my coffee for me or tea for me. I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. Um, they'll buy my tea for me. I said, or, you know, I'll just get a nice random text from my kids. that will be like, mama, you know, this happened. And I was thinking of you and I just love you. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I just paused. I'm, trying to stay as positive as possible. And I think that's my biggest message is like, you can look at things multiple different ways. So for instance, I gave an example on social media the other day, my husband started a new job, right? And my daughter's 17 now. So we gave her one of our cars. And so my husband's now living um, across the state, right? So he's just not living at home with me right now. He's only home on the weekends. So for right now, until we kind of figure out like, what's the new job, what's the income, all those kind of things, let's not rush into buying a car. So take my car. If I have to, I can commute with my daughter and we'll figure it out. So I've been having to walk to the grocery store or walk to the mailbox or whatever. And so I was saying on my social media, I could be upset about this and be like, oh, I have to drive. I mean, I have to walk there. It's so hot, right? Because it's 95 degrees in Florida right now. And I was like, or I could just be like, hey, I'm grateful. I have two working legs. I have a working body. I can move. I can go. I don't have to um, like be upset about this. I could just Mm -hmm. realize like I'm capable of doing these things. And in the same breath, I get to enjoy nature. I get my steps in. I did movement. I feel good. Or I could be upset that I have to walk. I'm going to go with the latter of it and be like, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I got to walk today. My body's amazing. And I'm here. Like, so I think in a roundabout way of coming back to what you asked, is I'm always getting asked how I'm staying positive and how do I come back to making myself feel positive? And it's not Mm -hmm. making myself, it's just slowing my breathing 
and realizing I get to choose my thoughts. And the more I choose the positive thoughts, the more good things happen and the more I feel better because we get to choose every day. You know, my husband has this saying, um, you know, I didn't wake up to do a shitty job, right? I didn't, I didn't wake up to be a bad person. I, people don't choose that. They do choose it meant subconsciously. If you, you can, like, I could be upset right now from the time that I've had a heart attack in my body. Like I could feel like it failed me, but in the same breath, I'm like, no, it was talking to me. I was just ignoring it. And so now I'm realizing I got to slow down, breathe, and I can, I can notice the signs, you know, and I can notice that my body's talking to me and it's time for me to listen and I can choose to see it as a bad thing or I can choose to see it as a good thing and I'd rather see the good. Uh, this is so powerful. Thank you, Vanessa, for being able to share all this connection that, you know, you've witnessed throughout your life and experienced and had that self-awareness and reflection on in order to help others with, you know, giving them the tools in order to stay positive. And, you know, hearing what you just said, along with what you said earlier, uh, as far as you've always been a problem solver, I see the connection here. And I love that because this is such an important tool in order or habit to build in a mental health journey. Because sometimes if we feel as if we don't have the tools or the way to strategize how to problem solve. That's where people maybe feel upset or feel like they lose confidence and don't feel confident in uh, being able to accomplish small things or large things. So you've been able to express or to give an example on multiple examples on how you use the problem solving, but also you put it in a light of showing positivity. So I love that example. And, you know, you being able to share the vehicle and show the gratitude and focus on the gratitude of being able to have the capability of walking and being in nature and everything along those lines. I think that's very powerful and something I can relate to as well, especially if I'm doing a new workout or workout that's maybe not my favorite but like <laughs> when I think you know running I'm like I'm so thankful that you know I have these legs in order to go on this run because not everybody has that ability and you know I want to do it for myself but also you know take the uh, gratitude and be thankful in order to you know put this body into movement where what it can do right now and so I love that example and Thank you so much for being able to share about kind of what that process was like for you as far as being able to um, redirect your thoughts or just continue to redirect your thoughts as far as after the heart attack, being able to stay positive. But one other thing that I really think that people around you value and I want to most highlight that you said is the mind body connection that you've been able to show people and you've you've gone over so many tips and I, I just don't want these to get passed by because I think they're just amazing tools and a far, and they're also again along the lines of the education but one of the things you said is uh, that women mainly store energy or you know the if you have pain, it gets stored in your body. And then women mainly have that stuck in their hips, the energy and that negativity in their hips. So being able to move that out and the practice. There, there's sorry. a powerful, 
book um, by Louise L. Hay. I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard of it. You can heal your mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. she talks about um, when you're having a, like things going on within your body, mm-hmm. what is usually the reason for it and what's the positive affirmation you can do with it. Um, and that book, I actually carry a PDF of it on my phone because mm-hmm. I'm constantly like, if I start to get a headache, I'm like, why do I have a headache? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me go to my book. And then I read it. And I'm like, yep, I was having those negative thoughts. I was thinking this or whatever. Um, and then I start to repeat the positive affirmations and I'll do some stretches and things like that. But I, that is a book that literally I, it healed me in ways, um, especially even after my heart attack. Like I realized how much stress I was putting onto life and finances and things like that. Um, but I am a, I am a big believer in that book, but also just understanding the body in whole because our body always talks to us. Right. So like I had a lady come in and she was at into class and she's like, my husband keeps complaining about our, his lower back. And I was like, are you having financial problems? And she was like, how did you know? And I was like, well, that's where we carry our finances is in our lower back. And, you know, and so it's just one of those things that, but a book like that can, you know, change you. And it's funny because I, I go to Barnes and Noble quite frequently with my daughter and I will literally, before I walk in, I'm like, whatever book I need to know today, let it be there. And most of the time it'll fall off a shelf. Like I walk by and it just falls on the ground. And I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to read that one. Yeah. It happens to me constantly. And my daughter's always like, really? But in the same breath, it's one of those things. It's like, I just know if I listen and I pay attention, like I said, and I slow down my breathing, it will be presented to me, whatever it is I'm needing to know, whatever it is I need to go on my next steps. Um, it's just a matter of me saying yes. Right. Or me being present enough to say, okay, this is being shown to me. So how do I do this? How do I, um, get out of my fear and go to the next thing. Right. And I think that's, that's been my biggest lesson in this past year is to get out of my comfort zone and to grow past my fear and put myself out there more. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many books. Um, I share some of them on my social media, but, um, yeah, that one especially is my go-to. I tell people all the time, especially for women, because we don't sometimes have a tendency to speak up as much. I'm finding, especially now that I have a lot of SCAD because SCAD mostly happens to women, which is the type of heart attack I had, um, is like 98% women. Yes. There's some men that's happened to, um, but for the majority it's women, but a lot of it comes down to, um, not speaking up, not using their voice and just amounts of stress just going on. And a lot of the women I've talked to will even say, I'm like, if you're be honest with yourself, like if that's one thing I can ask of you when we have this conversation, be honest, what was your life like the moment it happened? Were you in a happy place or were you in a stressed and sad place? And most of the time they'll be like, Oh no, no. And then like a, you know, a couple messages down actually it was not a good time. And I'm like, see, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just one of those things. I'm like, but it's just, it's just our bodies talking to us. And if we pay attention and see the signs, like we can move through this and we can work through it and make it better, or we can be upset with it. And it goes the opposite way. Uh, so my sisters, um, they're absolutely going to love this episode. <laughs> so I'm just like, I would love to sit here and for hours and just hear every story that you have because they're so exciting but yeah one sister um she uh, is a manifester yeah and obviously you are a very powerful manifester and then my sister also other sister focuses on holistic healing and, and being able to channel energy through the body so they they are going to be very excited about this energy but thank you for sharing that and sharing that i know 
you mentioned the book and we're going to put that in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing that. But being able to hear these stories and examples, it's, it's very exciting and entailing and encouraging that like, even for myself, just listening, I can now hear and see how this is a possibility for me and the power of affirmation and Mm -hmm. being able to see that connection, you know, where it leads my mind and my body and, you know, what it, how it actually contributes to my life. So I'm, I'm very thankful that you shared that. And I'm very excited to go in more into detail because I think you being able to be that vessel for others and teach others, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing for you to do, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you now doing that on social media, you're still being that light for others in order to see like that, that it's possible for them to. And so one thing I want to go a little bit more into detail now and, and share whatever you feel comfortable is the timeline or what the experience was like during the heart attack. I know you mentioned a lot about, you know, having stress and, you know, how it was actually connected to Um, Well, one thing I want to throw in there is that one of the most valuable tools that I learned in the military is being able to speak up for myself. So (laughs) the fact that you just touched on that, uh, I'm so thankful because it was a very difficult and difficult tool to learn for myself because maybe there's not as many examples and you kind of have this way of thinking as women that that you don't really recognize that you're what you're compartmentalizing and and keeping in size when you're not speaking up for yourself so thank you so much for being able to share that so yeah now we want to ask a little bit more about what that situation happened during your experience during the heart attack and sharing whatever you feel comfortable of, of what happened so it was the height of 2020 um and we were in the pandemic and it was a super stressful time. One I had, so my daughter had, now you have to understand this, my daughter had heart surgery a couple years prior. Ours are completely different. Um, I always tell people think of hers as electrical, mine was plumbing. Um, so she has something wrong with the electrical part of her heart. So she mm-hmm. had surgery. So I knew she had kind of like a pre-existing. so I wasn't really sure what COVID would do. Then I have my mm-hmm. son who, and both kids have food allergies, but my son has severe food allergies and eczema. So I was like, I don't know what this is going to do for him, right? And I know he had a lot of issues when he was born. So he was a NICU baby. Um, He pretty much, I'll just put this way, when I asked the doctor after he was born, is he going to make it? He said, we're taking it hour by hour. Um, He would not give me a straight answer for days. So now this is, what are we, six years, uh, eight years into this? And I'm like, ugh, this, like, I just have a lot of stress from the two of them with all of their stuff's going on. So now we're in the pandemic. Um, my husband is, you know, let go during the pandemic. Gyms are closed, so I have no way of making money either. Um, and we are at the end of our money and we are trying to figure out what we're going to do. I'm homeschooling two kids as well. And it was just one of those things that like stress just kept piling up one after another, after another. And it was just like, what are we going to do? My husband was delivering, um, groceries. He was doing Instacart at the time. And we were trying to figure out like, what's, what, do we sell the house? Do we like, I remember having the conversation with him two days prior to my heart attack and we went on a walk and I was like, okay, 
I am going to have to call someone to take our dogs and we're going to have to sell the house. And luckily my dad has a, um, a second home. So he, I was like, we could go stay there, but we can't take the dogs there. So we'll have to have someone take them for a while. And just feeling so like defeated and deflated and training, still training clients out of homes in their like garages and whatever, just trying to make some ends meet and just enough to put groceries on the table. And I just knew that night I kept saying to my husband, I just don't feel good. I don't, I, there's something I, I'm tired. I went, he's like, you train clients all morning. Like you're really tired. And I would help him at night to go deliver groceries. So I would help him go to this. So we could do multiple orders at one time. And so we're, you know, going through and I kept saying to him, I have to go sit down. Like I'm out of breath. Like I can't breathe. And he was like, this is not like you, like we're in target. <laughs> you like me mm-hmm. in target. I'm like, I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I can't. So I had to go sit down. And so we get into the car and we're doing what we're dropping the order off. And I said to him, I need to go home. Like, I don't, I don't feel good. I kept feeling like a wave of like nauseousness. And I was like, maybe I'm just car sick. I'm on my phone. You know, I'm still trying, I'm just starting the influencer journey. So I'm like trying to promote products and whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. so I'm just stressed, stressed, stressed. And so and we get home that night and my husband's like, you know what? I don't think you've eaten in a while. He's like, we pr- I'm going to make some dinner. I'm like, okay. And so I said to him, you know, he's going to start making pizza. So he starts making pizza. And all of a sudden my li- I have a little multi poo. She jumps up on my chest and she's like burying her head in my chest. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like Stella, get down. And she's just keeps burying her head. And then all of a sudden within seconds, I just sit up and I grab my chest and I just, it's an, God awful burning pain, but almost like someone was like, like I, the best example is an elephant standing on your chest. And I felt like this pressure. And so I have my one little multi poo and then I have my Morky and I'm like, if I lay down on the floor, they're just going to attack me and I can't have them attacking me. So I literally crawled up the stairs and I got to my room and I just collapsed onto the floor. I kept trying to crawl around. I, the pain just kept getting worse. It was between my chest and my shoulders. And I just, my daughter came in the room and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. But no, I'm not okay. And she was like, okay, what should I do? And I was like, nothing. I'm fine. I'm just, I just, I just got to stretch. I just got to move. It'll, it'll get better. It'll pass. And so I was, the minutes passed. Then I started just really not to be gross, but vomiting all over my bedroom floor. And I'm like, okay, this, this is not right. Like there's something Mm -hmm. wrong. So she calls my husband. So he finally comes upstairs and he's Googling and he's like, you're having a heart attack. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm 38. Like I'm a fitness trainer. I'm in great shape. And he's like, are you sweating? I'm like, yes. He's like, you're vomiting, your blood pressure, your pulse, like all. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like everything is fine. So I refused to um, call an ambulance. I told him, no, I'm fine. It's going to pass. I just, I just need to stretch. Like I need to pop my chest or something. He's like, well, we lifted heavy yesterday. So maybe that's it. And I'm like, maybe. Well, then within minutes, I was like, no there's something wrong. Like I probably should go to the hospital. So finally he convinces me to get in the car. Well, then once I get in the car, um, we get down the road and I literally coded. Um, and so then my husband's screaming and shaking me and whatever. And, um, I had a, a life altering experience at that moment. Um, I can say that I definitely saw the other side. I, Um, remember it being all black and then seeing a very white light. And then I kept hearing my husband like in the background, um, screaming at me. And I, um, I lost my best friend a few years ago to brain cancer and I saw him coming towards me. And I was like, 
uh-uh, I'm not ready. And so I said to him, I'm not ready. Um, I have two kids to take care of. And he said, okay. And so I came back and I literally did the whole like, <gasps> and I looked up and I said to my husband, I was like, I'm having a heart attack. And he's like, I know. <laughs> and he's like, you just went dark on me. And I was like, yeah. And so um, we live about a mile from a fire department. So he pulls in and here's the hard part, right? I am in the middle of a heart attack. We pull into the fire department. And the weird part about my kind of heart attack is it doesn't always show on an EKG because mm -hmm. it's inside. So what's happened is it's called spontaneous coronary artery dissection. So an artery in my heart has torn and caused a blockage. So the blood flow is no longer going through here. It's a flap down now like this. So it's trying to go over and over the two types of over the vessel and it can't mm -hmm. get through. So it's blocking. So it's starting to close it. So it won't show up on an EKG always. And the only way to truly try to figure this out is if they go in and do an angiogram or blood work. And mm -hmm. so I, of course, I'm at the, at the fire department and they're like, you're just having an anxiety attack. And I was like, I what? promise you, this is not an anxiety attack. I know, I know what just happened to me and I know um, how I'm feeling. And so the one guy was like, listen, if I were you, you can either go home or you can take a fancy car ride. And I was like, at this point, I know what just happened. And if I don't get help right now, this fancy car ride is going to turn into a hearse. So like, I need, I need to go. So um, we get to the hospital and the same thing again, you're having an anxiety attack. And luckily the cardiologist on call said, let's do the three hour test. We're going to do a one test. They do the blood work when you first come in and we're going to do the three hour test before we let you go. And so, cause they're like, everything looks fine, but they didn't do like ultrasounds or anything like that. They only did the EKG. So at the three hour mark, they come back in and my room is flooded with everyone because they all kept telling me I was having anxiety and I was going home. They told me to put my shoes on and get ready, but there was one last blood test. And I was like, okay. And they're like, so we're going to do that one, but then we're going to send you home. And I was like, okay. So, um, my husband comes back cause he went home to go check on the kids, came back and he was like, what's going on? And I'm hooked up to all these machines. They're yelling, screaming, everything. And the one doctor looks at me and goes, you're surprised. And I was like, so what does that mean? Does that mean I had a heart attack? Like I thought I did. He is like, then he leaves the room and the nurse goes, you had a heart attack. And I was like, I knew it. None of you listened to me. I knew what I was talking about. Um, which is sad because this is what happens a lot. And which is why mm -hmm. there's only a 20% survival rate of SCAD because wow. it doesn't always show on an EKG and most of them get sent home and told they're having anxiety. Um, so which is another reason why I share about what's the true symptoms of anxiety versus SCAD. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually one of my most viral videos on TikTok is my seven signs of a heart attack. And it's because I think so many people just don't realize that it can happen at any age, but also that these are the signs. You're not really mm -hmm. necessarily having an anxiety attack. Um, if it goes away within seconds or a couple of minutes, then yeah. But if it's not, and it's staying pretty progressive, you're definitely having a heart attack. Um, so from there, I was admitted and went through the whole process. Um, the hardest part is it's such a rare type of heart attack that there's not a lot of research out there. Um, and so a lot of cardiologists don't know how to help you or what to do. So they just kind of tell you to stay away from everything. And so I was seeing a cardiologist and he literally gave me nine medications and said, go about your life. Just 
probably only walk. Like that's all you should do. You should never work out again. And I was like, mm, that's not happening because movement is medicine to me. I love working out. There's no way, you know, it's the Drake song with Kim Kardashian. I didn't come this far to not be happy. <laughs> so for me, like I came this far, there's no way I'm just going to have this accepted. So luckily my dad was a pretty big, um, uh, prominent part of my life and he was like I'm taking you to the Mayo Clinic and we're gonna go see what we can do and luckily I called and I swear it's divine intervention as I'm telling the nurse of what's happened she was like okay I have this doctor and typing it all in and she's like wait wait hold on what did you just say again and so I repeated my story and she's like uh can you be here at 8 a.m tomorrow I have a doctor that I think would be good for you and so I got there and it was pretty amazing the woman I wind up seeing not only was a great cardiologist but she had studied under for her residency the leading researchers of SCAD so oh she knew gosh. everything about SCAD how to help me what to do um the only thing her and I bicker about is if I can do endurance training or not, but she's fine with me working out. She loves that I'm bringing awareness to this. She loves that I managed to heal my body because two, I didn't get to do like cardiac rehab and things like that. Cause that was only for uh, patients who had heart transplants because we were in COVID and they were afraid of people coming in and having COVID and whatever. So I had to heal myself and I had to learn myself, which in hindsight, right, is it coincidence that I have 18 certifications or was it the overall understanding that throughout my journey, I was going to have this heart attack and have to heal myself and teach myself how to get better and be able to do it. So, um, yeah, so it was a really challenging time, but luckily my husband got a job soon after my heart attack and, you know, I finally started to heal. It took me about a year of fully healing. And because the hard part is, is there's no surgeries or nothing they can do. Um, I tell everybody, think about like a pulled sweater, right? And if you have a pull on a sweater, if you keep pulling, it, it'll just keep disintegrating and the sweater comes apart. That's what happened with your artery. So they can't put a stent in, they can't do anything. It has to just heal on its own. And so that took about a year of that, but a lot of my recovery where I know that this has been a huge part is my mental because you have the doctors who say you can't lift above 20 pounds. So I'm like, Oh, I just lifted a 20 pound weight. Am I going to give myself another heart attack? Or if I run too fast, am I going to give myself another heart attack? Or um, am I stressing my body too much? Am I going to give myself another heart attack? Like there's this constant little gremlin back here. I like to call her Gertie. Um, and she's constantly talking to me and telling me like, Hey, you're really not supposed to do that. Remember you're, you could do this again. This could happen. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell Gertie, listen, I love you, but you need to be quiet because I know I can do this. I know I can mm -hmm. heal myself. I know I can get stronger. And I think that's my biggest thing with teaching women now, because they come to me, I have at least one or two, oh, if not three a week, that are, that are new to SCAD. And they're like, my doctor says I can't work out. What do mm -hmm. I do? I see you working out. And I'm like, yes, we can. I promise you we can. New research is showing we can. They just don't understand what has happened, why it's happened. So they kind of err on the side of caution. But in the same breath, like, I think the hardest thing for us SCAD people is getting over the mental because that yeah. is the scariest part because we feel like our body failed us right we're we're in our prime 30s 40s whatever we're feeling great we're taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. and this happens so it's like how do we get past that and I and I do a lot of mental coaching with these women to make them understand like 
we have to understand where we were in our journey versus where we're going in our journey because where we were wasn't serving us, which is why we had the heart attack and it came on and now we can heal and go further. So it's kind of what's happened over the, the past three years. And so this October will be my three year anniversary um, from my SCAD and I'm stronger now. I lift heavier now. I run more faster, everything that I did pre heart attack, which is amazing because it's like, it took me having a heart attack to lift, you know, deadlift 150 pounds. Like really, like it took me this long, like, ah, but in the same breath, it's perspective, right? Like in this, I can look at it and be like, oh, I took that. Or I can look at it and go, it took that to make me realize like, Hey, you are capable. You are strong. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I did an Instagram story the other day and I was telling my followers, you know, I, I watched this whole documentary and read this whole thing about running. And they said that runners don't go out and go, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Right. They, when they're running, they're like, this is easy. This is effortless. I can do this, which is why they start to get a runner's high. So the mm -hmm. other day I did my Peloton class and I'm like, this sucks. And they're like, no, change your thinking. So I'm literally in my garage yelling. It's easy, effortless, powerful, strong, easy. And so my husband like goes outside and he like looks back, like, what is she doing? But my run was the best run I've ever had. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like that was amazing. But I just, it was changing my thinking and yeah. telling myself like, I can do this. So yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. I know. Oh so much. I, I dumped it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is such an incredible and uplifting story. And thank you so much for being vulnerable in order to share it and go into depth of what that experience was like for you. And I'm so thankful that you're here today to share your story and, you know, to be there for your family and for yourself in order to support this cause of this awareness. And wow. Um, so, yeah, my dad also recently had a heart attack. Um, I think it was like six months ago. And um, what you were saying is, uh, I guess, like maybe denial of like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm okay. And like, I wasn't there, but his girlfriend was, and she was also saying, okay, well, like, well, he was, he was saying, okay, something doesn't feel right, which is like, okay. I mean, something always doesn't feel right, you know, if you can look at it that way. Um, but yeah, how, how you explain of the, um, uh, being aware of what was going on, but then, uh, it got a little bit more intense and that, that was kind of the same thing that happened with him it was, well, he, well, my dad's girlfriend took it more seriously and then they went to the hospital, but I can understand how that perspective of, you know, this isn't true, this should be something else. And especially like taking the statistics and putting that into your mind, kind of just knowing what's going on, because it's it's hard to tell nobody's there to just yeah. say this is that. So um, I am just blown away that everybody thought it was an anxiety attack and... I I had three <laughs> doctors in the room with me and all the nurses and they're all like, you're just anxiety. I'm like, I promise this is not anxiety attack. I've had anxiety attacks. This is nothing compared to that. Like it's yeah. just, it's a completely different feeling of the a pain, right? Like when we're having anxiety attack, it's like, you feel tight, like yeah. you can't really breathe, but this is like, someone was actually stepping on me, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I was trying to explain them. Like I know anxiety and I know this, this is different. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a, um, that tightness and feel like I can't breathe and kind of like the tingles. No, this was like, my arm was com 
Like I could, you could punch my arm and I couldn't feel it. And I felt like something was super heavy on my chest and there was a burning and there was like a lot of gas and vomiting and, you know, just the sweating. I was like, even an anxiety attack, I don't sweat like this. Like I Mm -hmm. would, you know, I can feel the tension. I can feel myself get warm, but not like this. This was like, I just did a HIIT training class and I am just pouring with sweat. Mm -hmm. So completely different, but it is, it's hard because we do go into denial, right? It's easy to, because it's like, no, that's not me. And no one in my family's had this or, you know, or even just, I'm young, I'm, I'm healthy. I, you know, I have all these things. There's just no possible way, but it happens because I, I'll stress get to me. That was my biggest thing. That's my biggest cause. But I think for a lot of people, it's just understanding, you know, it can be a mixture of things, of course, diet, family history, things like that. But knowing those telltale signs um, can really make, it can change your life in a matter of seconds because you'll either take action or if you don't, and if you don't take action, then that's what happens. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful that you're able to be an advocate for this community and for this cause for anybody, especially women that, that that's a lot of women joining your community, like two or three a week. Like, and that's so many, that's such valuable input as far as being able to help them reflect on, you know, where they were, you know, after the heart attack or maybe, um, you know, before, because the before is what you're saying is the most important because it's identifying what stress was actually doing to your body. And now you are able to, it's just like, they just remind me of the question, how do you stay so positive? Okay, now I understand, like, I get a really, really good full circle picture, because like, it's so important of the way you talk to yourself. And we had Uh, One of our guests on the show said, if you don't talk to yourself, you're crazy. And I completely agree. And even what you said with the example of running, like I was running this morning and like we were saying, but I uh, don't run as often right now just because I'm doing different type of training. But me being able to ideally go for one mile, but ended up going for two but the the example you just gave, like, I actually was saying to myself in my head, I'm like, okay, wait, this is easier. I am enjoying this. And then now listeners who don't work out or, or do work out can agree or attest to the way you talk to yourself as, as far as, like, how you're feeling about your body and what, what's doing it um, or what's making it feel good and checking in with yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think and, uh, the biggest thing is, like, noticing even in a workout, right? Like, I tell mm-hmm. people this all the time. I get to, you have to work out, you get to work out. If you change that, that could change your whole workout. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like my husband and I, we've done a lot of work over the years with wounded veterans. Mm -hmm. And I think of them every time I work out because I've met a lot like who've lost arms and legs and still go Mm -hmm. to the gym. And I'm like, you have one arm and yet you still go to the gym and you still work out. Like what he wouldn't give to have my legs. Like, Mm -hmm. Why don't I take that as a privilege and say, Ness, go run. Don't like you have the ability, you get to do this. You can do this. So it's just changing that. And that's one of the things I say all the time when I, when people come into my Pilates classes, like they come in, they'll be like, hi, I'm like, hi, you're not going to like me, but (laughs) here we go. And then I instantly get, you get to, you showed up today for a reason and you get Uh to be here. So make it work. Instead of saying they're complaining and being like, oh, your classes are so hard. How about you just say like, hey, I got to be here with her. I, I showed mm-hmm. up. I gave myself this time. 
and I got to move my body. And when you change mm-hmm. that thinking, the whole workout becomes like people leave crying half the time and they're like, why yeah. am I crying? And I'm like, because you changed your perspective and you yeah. felt good about it and you had an attitude of gratitude. And when you have that, you can't help but be excited for what's happening and you're grateful. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's when you complete a challenging workout too, or or even do more what you were expecting or what your goal was set out to do. It's such a extreme level of confidence boost, but you don't even know how to explain it. You like literally no. have to do it for yourself. So that's amazing that you are able to show that to people as well and continue to do it for yourself as well. So I, I love that. I love that example. And before we get to our last question here, I wanted to give you a chance to maybe go a little bit more into detail for our listeners that do have SCAD uh, or in that community. If uh, What are the symptoms or what what's ways that they can check in with their body as far as if they do want to get back into a momentum of handling stress or working out or anything along those lines? So, of course, I always tell everybody, yes, listen to your doctor, especially if you have a different type mm-hmm. of, you know, something that happened during your SCAD, or maybe you had multiple arteries tear versus just one, things like that. Um, but then from there, I tell everyone, start working on your mental, right? The mental is one of the biggest things. You can always look at um, the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic puts out a lot of information. Um, they are the leading researchers in SCAD. Um, they put out a lot of information about working out, things like that. I even have it on my blog. Um, one of their newest ones that they did, I think it was like a year ago, about like that we should work out. There is no heart rate range that we should be staying um, within, things like that, because that's some of the things that people are misled about. And even lifting with the 20 pounds above your head or anything. I mean, I, I pressed 30 pound dumbbells now. So, um, but that took a lot of mental strength because every time I got to 20, I would tell myself, you're going to, you're going to give yourself another heart attack. Right. So it was a really, Mm -hmm. it was a hard thing for me to overcome mentally, but then once I have, it's been amazing. But so Mayo Clinic puts out a lot of great information. Um, and then I tell people start working on your breathing, start working on your mental, how do you talk to yourself? Right. How do you show up for yourself every day? Because if you could do just five minutes every day of I like how noticing you're reflecting of how you're talking to yourself that will change. And then you'll start to do five minutes throughout the day, several different times. And then you'll start to feel better because you're realizing like, Hey, Gertie's back there. She's just talking away when Mm -hmm. you can be like, you know, listen, like, yes, I had a heart attack, but I'm okay. I'm here. I get to move again. I get to do this. And then from there walking. And I actually did a, uh, I don't know if it was TikTok or Instagram the other day. And I said, the one thing I wish I would have added in sooner was power walking. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like that kind of gave me the ability to start to build up some endurance, but also start to build up some strength as well within my heart, but also within my body and my legs, because, um, one of the hardest things I noticed, and I've talked to several women now over this, I mean, more than several, probably almost a hundred. Um, we lose all of our strength. So the first six mm-hmm. months or so, because your body's trying to heal, I feel like it's sending everything to the heart to heal it. So I mm-hmm. literally, I mean, I was in amazing shape when this happened and then I lost all my strength. I gained 20 pounds and I was like, wait, not only did I have the mental side of the heart attack, but then I had the mm-hmm. physical attributes of what happened. So that took a lot of mental to get over as well, to be like, Hey, like you're not a number on the scale. You're not a number on the, on the pair of pants. It doesn't equal your, you know, what your value of what you bring to the table. And 
realize that this happened for a reason and you can, you know, you can get this weight off again, or, you know, you may never go back to that size, but that's okay because that doesn't, that's, that's not who you are just because the pants says the size four doesn't mean you are this amazing person. Um, so it took some of those things, but then from there, I tell people start doing body weight, body weight. You'd be surprised. Calisthenics can do a lot for the body. Um, but it also kind of gives you that like movement. You have to move with your breath, right? I always tell people that's the cool part about yoga and Pilates is one movement, one breath. Um, yeah. As we do an exercise, we're exhaling. And as we're moving through the exercise, we're inhaling, right? And so when you start to have that connection, then you realize, oh, my breathing is eradicated, which most people will start to realize. Um, and especially I find after SCAD too, is that we should breathe shallow. We breathe into the collarbones here. So it's a lot of like quick, short breaths. And so the more that you can do slower movements and just kind of working through, so like if you're doing squats and you're working through the inhale on the down and the exhale on the up, you'll notice you'll start to get down deeper and you'll start to get into your belly breathing. And then you won't have the mind going, Hey, you know, if you do this, you're going to have a heart attack or Hey, like this is really hard. You can slow your breathing down while you're doing the exercise and which is actually better anyways, cause more time under tension builds the muscle faster. Yeah. Um, so as you're doing that and you're moving slow through it, your breathing will be helpful because it'll slow the mind, it'll slow the chatter, but mm-hmm. it also just helps you be aware and then you're connected. So yeah. I tell people, you know, of course, breathing, meditation is always going to be good. Then get into walking, power walking, and then start to get into calisthenics. And then once you're into calisthenics and you feel like I can do four sets of 10 of every exercise, then start to add in the weights. And then from there, you can just go with it, rock it. Like then I start doing hit trainings, whatever, like whatever you love to do, you can do again. Um, I've not found there isn't anything now that I can't do that I didn't do beforehand. The only thing my doctor, she is weary about is if I went to do endurance training, like if I wanted to go run a marathon and do an Ironman, she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's a lot of stress on the, on the body and on the heart. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend it. It's never been my thing anyway. So I'm like, that's okay. I don't want to really do an Ironman. I mean, I've trained people for them, but I don't really want to do them. So I'm okay with that. Um, but in the same breath, I was like, I've never been a runner, but I want to be a runner. And so after my heart attack, my husband bought me a Peloton treadmill and I've been running since then. Um, and I've taught myself like all the tips and tricks and how to run. And cause I always did yoga, Pilates and spin. Like those were my mm-hmm. like in weightlifting, but mm-hmm. now I do like heavy weightlifting and I run and I'm like, who is this girl? But it's more <laughs> so like, because they told me I couldn't, I was like, yes, I can like watch me. Yeah. Like I just, one of those, like when you tell me I can, I'm like, yes, I can, I'm going to prove <laughs> you wrong. Um, but it's just one of those things too. I, I wanted to push myself and teach myself to move past my fear, right? Because there's the whole face everything and rise or face everything and run. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to rise. I wanted to thrive. I didn't want to, I didn't want to just be uh, a heart attack survivor. I wanted to be a thriver. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's been my biggest thing the past couple of years is like, how much can I do more to make myself better? Because I know Mm -hmm. I can be better. Yeah. And let me tell you, you are, oh, <laughs> you are you. absolutely thriving. And I'm so excited to just hear everything that you're working on and the di- uh, the variety of workouts that you have incorporated, you know, before and after your, um, your heart attack and just throughout your physical health journey as well. And this is so powerful for even for people that who um, 
you know, haven't had the same experience, but want to start their mental health journey and physical health journey. These are such powerful tools that are so helpful when it comes to overcoming that thought um, in your mind. And I, uh, again, going back to the education. So the Mayo Clinic, uh, I didn't touch on this earlier, but that again, that divine timing of how you connected with your doctor I'm so like blown away that that happened, and then now you're able to you know do that connection and and you be, be part of um, the correct me if I'm wrong, but be part of the research that goes into um, this type of heart attack and and yeah, for... so I'm actually a part of the research group. Yes. Um, so they study my body. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they have all of my my testing, my scores, everything. Um, I I had to go through a whole trial process. They actually mm-hmm. I think the the um education part is full. Like you can't submit any more new patients or anything like that. But for me, um, I was one of the last ones to get in. So they actually study all of my results, my scores, everything. Um, and then when I go in for my checkups, they get all that information about Mm -hmm. what my workouts are, what I'm doing. Um, so they study me and I'm part of the, so when you go into, you know, like they have the, um, whatever it's called, I forget the name of it now I'm drawing a blank, but the, um, the findings of what they found over the past, you know, they studied hundreds of women, these women at these ages, blah, blah, blah. I'm in that research group. So um, yeah. And I'm actually doing a testing with the Mayo Clinic as well for EKGs for the Apple watch to see if Mm -hmm. we can say that these are truly accurate and that they can show um, changes within our bodies. um, So that if you were in the middle of a heart attack, you could go to your cardiologist and say, my EKG is showing this. And then they would say, this is accurate. We'll go send you to the hospital, whatever, or just to have um, a reference point so that you don't have to go in to get an EKG. You could use just your Apple watch. So I do that testing as well. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're going to uh, link the Mayo Clinic information uh, in the bio also. Um, that's something I also learned about in class when it comes to learning about your body and your mind. And what you put into your body is, is uh, knowing credible resources in order to um, help yourself properly educate um, studies, uh, information on, again, with your body or what you put into your body as far as food or anything. So thank you so much for sharing that and making it um, comprehensible for anybody who doesn't understand um, that those uh, studies are out there where they can find them or anything along those lines. And one thing I want to touch on before we get to our last question is that I love your example of uh, when you said about doing the squats. So you mentioned about focusing on your breathing um, while you were doing the movement slower, whether if that's with weights or not, but that's actually pointing out a skill of coping mechanism skill of being present, which again, working out for me, I found, uh, especially with running helped me, uh, without even realizing, it, uh, helped me be present and only focus on one foot going after the other. So you being able to show an example of how to take that even further with focusing on your breath while you do that, while moving your body and then connecting it to your thoughts. I love that. And I think that's so, um, it's going to be so beneficial for our listeners to be able to see that through and, and, you know, be, have the ability to try it themselves in a way that works for them. So our last question here, if somebody were to start their mental health journey, what kind of questions or sorry, what kind of advice or information would you tell them in order to start their mental health journey? 
I think the biggest thing with their mental health journey is, is definitely self-reflection. Um, I think that is powerful. It's something I talk to my son about a lot um, and can help you realize when you're in your struggle or you're on your struggle bus, like, why am I on my struggle bus? I think that's one of the biggest things that I have. A lot of my girlfriends, um, I had asked a question to them the other day and I said to them, what's the one thing that you come to me for, you would pay me for whatever. And they're like, you always give me reflection, like Mm -hmm. helping me understand in a situation, like what's really going on. And I said, well, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm constantly doing that to myself. Um, I think, Yes, you could stumble upon it like I did, right? When I was 16 with my mom, Um, you could go to a therapist. And I think a lot of therapy is great and can give you some tips and tricks and tools and books to read and things like that. But I think the biggest thing you have to have in order to move forward to heal and to um, start to work on your mental health, it's having that self-reflection. Like, because a lot of times, you know, like even the other day, my girlfriend was telling me this story about and her husband. And I said, but you're not mad at him. Like, be honest with yourself. You're upset about the situation. You're upset about what you couldn't control. And you're upset about the reflection of that it had on you, but it mm-hmm. had nothing to do with him. And she mm-hmm. was like, yes. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, it's the hardest part. I'm like, but when we're honest with ourselves, I'm like, cause I can tell you there's a million times, you know, like the other day I was upset and cause I was doing something for a brand and my Google drive wasn't working and my husband's trying to help me and I'm snapping at him. And then finally I looked at him and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with you. Like I snapped at you because you're the one right here, but I'm really just upset at myself because I waited till last minute to submit this. I should have done this earlier. And, and the same breath, I need to reach out to them and tell them like, I'm having an issue here and I don't need you to fix it. And he was like, you don't want me to work on this? And I'm like, no. And I shut the computer and I was like, let's just, I took a moment. I just breathe. And then I looked at him and I'm like, because it had nothing to do with you. It was more about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but that takes years and that takes time. And I know that for people. And that's why I talk to my son about it constantly. Um, but I find that I think if you're starting on your mental health journey and you're like, I don't know where to begin, I think going for a walk and asking yourself some simple questions, like, why do I feel the way I feel? Why am I in this position? Why do I have sad thoughts today? And just while you're Mm -hmm. walking, and I think you'll be surprised how quickly they get answered in your own head. But I think mm-hmm. that that movement, because we're we're distracting ourselves, right? Which is a lot of times why I think over the years, my personal training business was so successful and so mm-hmm. um, greater than my classes was because I would do that. I would ask, I would have triggering questions. I'd ask people in the middle of a workout, but it would make them have to break it down and realize like, cause I would see people cheat and I'd be like, why do you feel like you can't lift that weight the full way? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel like you can't squat down the full way? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, because <laughs> you keep doing it. Like you keep not squatting. So I'm just curious why. Is it because it's hard? Is it because in you're going through something in your head? Is it? And then next thing you know, it'd be like verbal diarrhea and all these things are coming out. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. I feel amazing. And I'm like, yes, because we work through whatever it was that was limiting you from being able but it took you moving and asking the question. Cause if I, if I sometimes if I just sit there and ask the question, yeah. it's not going to work. 
um, it's kind of like, so Louise L. Hay, she has another book, it's called Mirror Work. And in her Mirror Work book, she talks about sitting down and looking at yourself in a mirror. And she's like, and that's one of the hardest things people really struggle with the most because they don't mm-hmm. want to look at themselves. But you have to sit down and look at yourself and ask yourself some questions. And in that, you can be so, um, it can be uplifting because it can help you work through things. But that took me a long time to sit down in front of a mirror. So what I realized for me, what helped me always is I walk and I ask myself questions. Why do I feel this way? What's really bugging me? Why am I aggravated? Um, and then I go through those, I go through those steps and then I will start to feel better. I can start to answer some questions. Um, I think there's, there's a, I don't know where I saw it. So I saw it somewhere, but it was the whole thing about why, if you ask yourself why, right. Yeah. And, um, what happens, you know, what is it? W H Y. So, um, who hurts you, right. You can ask yourself that question, but then ask yourself who healed you. And then you can ask yourself who helped you. Right. So when you change the way you ask why it can be mm-hmm. completely different. And so I do that a lot. Like when I go, through because even right now I'm going through some pretty heavy stuff I just lost my older sister and one of my girlfriends was like are you going to go to therapy and I was like yes and no I said at this moment in my life right now I'm in a good place and I'm like but I know I have some hard days right and I know I'm going through some issues and trying to heal through it but I do I go I literally walk a lot right now I (laughs) I get at least 12,000 steps a day um but I, I ask myself those questions why like why is this hurting me? Like why? Mm-hmm. And, but then the next breath, I'm like, but how's it going to help me? Is it going to help yeah. me by being sad? And mm-hmm. then how's it going to heal me? It's going to heal me because I'm going to realize she's in a better place and she's where she's supposed to be. And she did her time here and she helped who she is supposed to help. And now she's moved on. Right. And so it's like one of those things, like, I just know, I think in my own personal journey and what I've done over the 17 years of being a fitness trainer movement with asking yourself simple questions can be life altering. One of my Mm -hmm. clients, she had a terrible type of cancer. And one day she came to me and we were working out and she was like telling me, you know, I got to go in for new scans. I got to do all this. And so I finally just looked at her and it was probably the most um, unprofessional way I've ever done this. But I just looked at her and I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And she was like, and then she started, (laughs) she just looked at me and then she smiled and she goes, the worst that's going to happen is I have cancer. And I said, exactly. I said, so at that point, you already know the worst case scenario and you've already been through it. You know what to expect. And she's like, you know what? That was life altering. And so ever since then, every time I saw her, all she ever would say to me is, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm like, Uh, see, I'm like, because I think when you change the perspective on it, you just realize if you go to worst case scenario, you just know the end result. So you're like, okay, I can heal through this. I can move through it. But I would say coming full circle to your question, go on a walk and ask yourself some questions. And if on that walk, you can't answer those questions, maybe it's time to go seek a therapist. And Mm -hmm. then at that point, go through therapy and try different types of therapy. Not all therapies created equal. Um, And I think that there's different ones that can help because there's yoga therapy, there's art therapy, there's movement therapy, there's EMDR. Um, My nephew's doing a new one. That's like, he says it's like EMDR on crack. And he's like, but it's amazing. He's like, but it's been really helpful, right? Since my sister's passing, he's like, it's helped me a ton. Um, So I just think that there's so many different types that you can do. And, know that 
if you just keep trying to put one foot in front of the other and try to be 1% better every day, it will happen and you will feel good and you'll find what's right for you on your path and your journey. But don't quit just because one person said this, right? Like I could have quit years ago. Now knowing my story, I could have quit years ago when I was 18 years old because I had the one bad therapist, but I kept saying to myself, she's one bad apple, but there can be a thousand good apples out there. I just don't know. And I know I don't like the way I feel and I know I want to be better. And I just know like if I just keep trying and I keep putting tools in my toolbox, one day I'll have enough tools so that when things happen, I won't have to go searching for the tools. It'll just be there and I can help others move through it. Because my my yeah. goal has always, I've always said this, even when I used to teach yoga all the time, I used to have, you know, sayings I would say at the end of class. And I always used to say, one day your story will be someone else's survival guide. And so mm-hmm. if my story can be someone else's survival guide to help them through and help them get to a better place, then I did my job and I did my journey, what I was supposed to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like, telling people my story and telling people not to give up on themselves is the biggest thing with your mental health, because a lot of people will, they will give up. They will, they will say, this is it. This is all, you know? Um, and, and that cannot, that's not the truth. That's not, that's not your story. Your story can change. It can change at any day, any time. Yeah. And thank you so much for being an uplifting light as far as sharing your story and being vulnerable of um, the, the situations that happened in your life and, and sharing the, the tools that you're saying that you use in order to, uh, being able to view your, your life in, in a more positive way as, as far as worst case scenario. And personally, I want to say, I'm, I'm sorry for the loss of your sister and you. that I can relate to, um, having lost a lot of family members and the grief experience being difficult for every difficult and different for every person that I've lost. So you being able to put that in perspective as far as um, identifying your feelings and your emotions that come up with that, because I do believe that the grief is different for every situation. But like you said, being able to kind of ask yourself and find a way to properly get the best feedback after asking you those those questions of self-reflection and uh, self-awareness as far as identifying those feelings and, and pushing back through, through that. Um, I appreciate how you vocalize that and we're able to um, share that with our audience. And another one, another thing I want to say is that I think you are the ideal friend to have. <laughs> maybe I mean, I was like, maybe some people are like that don't want to do the work can probably, you know, give a little face of, of, knowing that they're probably going to say some, you're going to probably going to say some things that are uncomfortable and it's going to force them to do the work. But I mean, I think you're the kind of friend that everybody needs because you're going to be that uplifting light, like I said, and help them see through what they're doing because uh, especially like the example you gave with, like with the workout and, you know, having not only pushing yourself that bit further, but having, uh, doing the same for others and, and being open about the communication as far as using communication of, of your reflection on what you're feeling and how you're treating others and then explaining it to people. Because another thing I think is an, an valuable tool is uh, not only doing the identification of, of what's going on with you, but being able to 
vocalize it to somebody around you that may be affected by your mood if it is if it isn't a good one because a lot of times we assume okay what's up with this person and then they don't say it so ah. thank you for sharing that tool and i think it's it's one of the most powerful um that i've personally learned and everything that you've said throughout the day is has been um so valuable and I'm, I'm so thankful that you were able to be on the show today so for anybody who wants to get in contact with you and connect what is the best way we can reach you uh all of my social channels are vanessa cutting so instagram tiktok pinterest uh even my blog is vanessacutting.com so any of those you can reach out to me on okay sounds wonderful and again thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story I appreciate your vulnerability and you're such a miracle as far as what you've overcome and, and how you continue to overcome and uh, push through that fear, but, and also just be that light for others. So thank you so much for your time and committing to this, to, to our community. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up everybody and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.